You're watching the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. To your current church, little C, not capital C, not the church. There are many red flags and biblical reasons that may indicate it's time to leave your church. Um, and today we're going to be talking about some of those, all right? So with that in mind, we're going to approach this thing with wisdom, with grace. It's time for the cross. Let's go. They can't tell you about Jesus, the one who died for us is that Jesus. And all I know is that there's something about Jesus. So every day I'll be praying out to Jesus because I love you. Can I tell you about Jesus, the one who died for us is that Jesus. All I know is that there's something about Jesus. So every day I'll be praying out to Jesus because I love the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no division in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Hey, 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 hold on, hold on. Gather around, everybody. Listen up. I got a story to tell, tell, tell. Greetings, brothers and sisters in Christ. I come to you today with an appeal, just as Paul did to the Corinthians, to live in harmony with each other. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ has given this commandment to us to be of one mind, united in thought and purpose, and to let there be no division in the church. You see, we live in a time where there's a church on every corner and people can simply get up, leave, and find another church anytime they have a disagreement with one another. But back in biblical times, one would have to move to another town to find another church. And the church was more united in what they believed in. And they were warned against anyone who would try to preach a different gospel. See, I have a dream that the Bible teaching Christ-believing churches would unite together to help share the gospel in their cities, towns, counties, country, whatever. And together, because together we have a larger impact. However, we cannot be divided. We have to operate in truth and in love and we have to do all things for God glory and not ours. That means we will have to die to ourselves. We will have to submit to biblical leaders who teach and live out the truth according to the word of God and not the latest trend or what culture says to be true. We must work together to build bridges and not walls, to love and support one another. Imagine what we can do if we were all united in our faith and we were all united in our purpose. The possibilities are endless. Let's put aside our differences and come together as one body of Christ. Let us work together to share the gospel and make a lasting impact in our communities. Remember, as it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Let us be united in thought and purpose with a shared passion to spread the gospel and see lives transformed. May the love and grace of God guide us as we work towards church unity and may his name be glorified in all that we do. I look forward to the day that the church will rise up and be united as one just as our Lord intended us to be. Let us continue to pray for one another and for the church as a whole and let us work towards a brighter tomorrow where unity and love reign supreme. Thank you for listening and may God bless you all. 
All right, what's going on, Anthony? How you doing, brother? What's up, brother? Been it's been a while, been a while. Yeah, it has been a hot minute, man. We uh, <clears throat> we had to take a little break. I was doing a lot of traveling. I had to focus on being on the road. I, I would literally travel, come home for like a day, and then catch a plane and, and head out to another state, man. So so I appreciate y'all bearing with us as we had took that little break. <clears throat> yeah. So how yeah. you been, man? Man, I've been all right, man. I've been busy. Um, actually, gone through a lot since the last time we came together, man. Um, had some losses in my family. Oh, wow. uh, had some, had some losses in my family. Um, so, man, it, it's it's been a roller coaster. Uh, definitely has been a roller coaster. But back 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 on with you, man, and uh, excited about this topic. Um, I know we had to push it a week or two, you know, due to all these different things. But man, I'm excited. How about yourself, man? I see you. You're way past that sling. <laughs> <laughs> I am past the sling, but still in pain. I was actually doing some of my little physical therapy today, and just it's crazy how like like I, something that you can do easily or something that you take for granted you can't do after you have surgery, and it's just simply moving my arm certain directions. Like if I lift it like like this right here puts me in a lot of pain just doing that and so it's it, it's weird um, um i was telling my wife i'm like man i feel like i'm getting a lot weaker uh because you know I, i'm normally lifting weights and stuff and i'm just ready to be able to use use my arm again it's so right. frustrating man it is yeah. so frustrating but as y'all can see i changed it up a little bit today man so we uh put the devotional first so then that way, you know, we can just kind of get that word right in. We can kind of talk about it. Most of the time our devotionals uh, line up with what we're talking about anyway. And then uh, that way it'll help us kind of get to the question a little bit faster. And then I'm going to probably do Digital Pews last too. So speaking of devotion, what do you think about church unity? What's, what's your thoughts on that, Anthony? Man, um, that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about. And um, I think it's, it's, it's tough in our current culture because of you know things like social media and how all the discord and one small difference in opinion or small interpretation of a particular doctrine can be a huge divide nowadays and i think you said in the devotional you know you were talking about how the church was so much more unified back then there wasn't you know as many uh people that were going off the rails even though it was beginning um back then um, they were already talking about, you know, who's following who and uh, new doctrines were popping up and uh, the spirit of Antichrist and all this kind of stuff was happening at that time. But you had some dominant voices. You had some people who were um, valued in their opinions with, you know, uh, with the original apostles on the scene. Uh, they they, they kind of kept the, the boat afloat. Uh, but as time went on and people started, you know, uh, doing their own thing and trying to do the power grab, you know, to, to be the, the king, uh, to be the great leaders that you started seeing the division rise. Um, and so we, we still deal with it today, even more so because there's so many churches and there's so many flavors. As my, my good friend Joe Day says, man, there's 87 flavors, <laughs> you know, and you could just pick one, you know, church is Burger King, have it your way, you know, and it's like, wow, you know, where, how do we get back to that place of uh, sticking it out and um, and being reformers instead of uh, revolters, you know, that we that we we try to help the churches be better instead of just rejecting them and just saying, I'm done with that. I'm moving on. And so it, it, it's a it's what Jesus wanted. 
is what Paul preached. They preached uh, unity in the body. Paul said to, to endeavor. You, you read that scripture out of Ephesians. You know, he was begging for them to uh, be of one mind because there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who's father of all and in us all. And so, man, uh, I just I would love to see the church unified as well. Yeah, I know, man. You can have like 20, 50 churches in one city and let alone um, not even know each other, let alone fellowshipping, right? So I, it, it's just crazy to me that we could all be, you know, believing churches that believe in the, um, the, um, the must-haves, the must-knows, right? We all agree on, on, you know, the Trinity and who Jesus is and salvation through faith alone and that kind of stuff. But then we can be in the same city, and not even know each other, not fellowship with each other. And, um, you know, I just feel like that was not what God, what God's will was. That's not what Jesus' will was. Right. And I, I don't even know how we could even get to that. I don't know maybe if we just start emphasizing it more. But what's crazy, the Antichrist, he's going to end up offering that, right? He's going to yeah. end up offering that everybody worship him and follow him and it's going to be one world and that you know one world religion and all that kind of stuff so it's it's definitely uh it's definitely something to desire after but at the same time man it, it's it's just crazy which which is a good segue to what we're talking about today because you have so many churches it can be easy to just get up and leave and go to another church right um right. and so i know we're going to be talking about times where where you where you may want to consider going to another church, but do you have any thoughts on some times where it's like, hey, you probably should stick it out and stay at the church you're at? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've always been that person that is willing to stick it out um, and go and have that hard conversation, you know, to uh, reform, you know, rather than revolt. You know, I've always been that person that says, okay, well, let's talk about that. Let's see if we can make that better. Let's see if we can um, handle that situation uh, and, you know, not to get into all the scriptures. We're going to get into all those scriptures, but, you know, just deal with stuff instead of running from stuff. Um, I've never been one uh, to run from a, a conversation or a conflict. Um, there's times where I put it off because I'm like, ah, I don't know if I want to have that <laughs> conversation, but I, I, I would have that conversation. I, I, I'm big on, hey, let's let's talk it out. Let's let's deal with it. Let's see if we can come to a resolution rather than, you know what? It's too much for me. I don't want to have to deal with that. I'm bouncing, you know, so I, I, I'm, I'm probably, you know, stick it out first mentality, um, not leave first. I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to talk through it. I'm going to see uh, what we can do uh, to mend the bridges, to build bridges, not barriers, uh, and find a way uh, to, to, to work together to accomplish God's will over, um, man, does, does this church have the flavors that I want? Is it, you know, oh, yeah. do they have the right stuff that I want? I'm really more about the work of the Lord than that, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, even Christ, you know, the Bible teaches us that if somebody sinned against us, we come to them and we should try to work it out. I was in this class called... I think it's called Crucial Conversations. They had the military pay for us to go see it. And um, in that in the little book, in the workbook that goes with it, it talks about a crucial conversation is one where, like, the stakes are high, you got different opinions or whatever, and then, but you want to maintain the relationship. 
And so it talks about having those conversations and talking about speaking facts only and, you know, uh, making I statements and just uh, thinking yeah. before you speak and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But it talks about how most people are not comfortable with having crucial conversations. They'll, they'd rather just flee and leave. And so that's right. definitely not the biblical way of doing things. G. Barry, thank you for checking in. Oh, what's going on now? I don't know why that's up so high. But, yeah, appreciate you checking in. So uh, for those of y'all who watching, if you are watching, you know, say what's up. You know, let us know that you're here. Um, YW, I see you here as well, asking about the song that was on. I'm not sure which song you was talking about, but the, we played um, the first song was uh, my song called uh, Let Me t uh, Tell You About Jesus or something about Jesus, rather. And then the next song was uh, actually a song I got off of YouTube from uh, this, this little boy singing. He was doing a cover of that Beautiful Day song. And so one of the two songs, that's the answer to your question. Um, also, yeah, if you're there, don't forget to uh, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, so that way uh, the algorithm will let everybody know that we're on and that we'll get more people in watching. But today we're going to be um, talking about when is it time to leave a church. April, what's going on? Thank you for checking in. We sure do appreciate you. Uh, so, yeah, hey, leave your answers in the comment. Hey, if you got an answer in the comment on when you think it's time to leave the church, put it in the comment. Put the letter A in a semicolon so that way we know. And then just say, hey, here's when I think it's time to leave the church or whatever. But that's what we're going to be talking about. So we're not going to um, hold it up uh, any longer. We're going to hop right into it. So the way um, I want to do this is um, I just share a couple of um, – couple of reasons. I think I have four reasons. And, re and really it's top three because the first one is like false gospel. And so we'll talk about it. But I think that's that's kind of like an obvious one, right? Storm Broken Women, thank you for checking in. We appreciate you. Um, yeah, but we're going to be talking about um, um, when to lead a church, giving our top reasons, give your reasons as well of when you think it's time to lead a church. And as you've seen, we kind of kicked it off by talking about, hey, you know, that may not be the the first thing you want to do is something you definitely want to um, put a lot of thought in, right? Uh, and before I before I get into my top reasons on why you should leave a church, I do want to say it's important for Christians to approach the decision to leave a church with discernment and wisdom rather than simply looking for a community that satisfies your personal preferences or desires, right? So in 2 Timothy, I believe chapter 4, um, Paul warns... Um, that a time is coming where people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers that suit their own passions, uh, right? And they'll wander from the truth, right? And so the Bible teaches that we should prioritize seeking truth and following God over seeking our personal comfort and satisf satisf satisfactions, right? So again, it's something we want to take serious. I believe in John chapter 8, Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then Paul uh, lets us know in Colossians that uh, believers should let the word of Christ dwell in them richly. So the word of God should be the ultimate decision. Like Anthony was saying how um, he let the mission of the kingdom kind of guide him instead of just going for his own desires or running away or leaving. That's how we should do. If we're only seeking a church community that affirms our own beliefs and preferences, we uh, risk uh, becoming complacent and uh, failing and growing in our faith. Uh, we need to seek churches that, uh, that values and teach uh, biblical truth. Even if it challenges us, even if it makes us uncomfortable, that's kind of, that's the ultimate goal. So I don't want people to think that, you know, because we're given this list of reasons why you should lead a church, again, that's something you need to handle with grace and wisdom. Anthony, anything you want to say before we get into it? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, 
the goal is what we talked about from the, from the beginning to be determined to be unified. Um, how can we come together and lift up Christ um, together? Not necessarily, you know, and, and I think, and we'll get into this more, but when people are taught a consumer mentality of church, where church is about shopping around for what I want instead of going for where I can fulfill God's will, I can be a part of doing God's work. It kind of puts them in a situation where as soon as they don't see the right things on the shelf, they say, yeah. well, maybe this is not the place for me, you know, and I know there are certain things that people look for and that's important. But at the end of the day, I think the way people are coming into the church has a lot to do with why uh, people are able to leave the church so easily. And I think we have to do a better job of explaining what the gospel is. Actually, it was a young man in our men's group, and he said that to me specifically. He said, you know, I think getting people to understand from the beginning, because a lot of times you want to kind of hold back, right? And you don't want to tell them, you know, about the difficulties of being a Christian and all these kind of things and what that really means to be a Christian. And so you just want to, you know, give them something, you know, that will entice them to come in like, oh, man, well, we're going to pray for a job. We're going to pray for your marriage. We're going to get this. to, You know, God's going to do this and you give your life to Christ and he's going to be with you instead of understanding that. No, um, actually, you're bending your knee to the king of kings and Lord of lords. This is who you were supposed to be serving from the very beginning. But because of sin, we were lost and now we're found and you know and getting into what the gospel actually is and i think that's why a false gospel like you said is probably high uh, number one number two on, on the list of reasons why you would leave a church uh instead of sticking it out because if the message is wrong then it's leading a lot of people astray yeah yeah amen so yeah, let's just go ahead and hop right into it the first one is false gospel right um so I believe if you're at a church, they're teaching the wrong gospel. You know, you got you need to you need to get out of there. You know, one you can try to address it to the pastor, or you can try to address it to whoever. But if they kind of get to a point where they're not teaching the fundamental doctrines of of of, uh, of Christ, then that's a dangerous place to be. Um, Anthony, believe it or not, me and my uh, wife. Hey, what's going on, on Grandma, Granddad, Gwen? Thank y'all for checking in. Um, uh, we were in Walmart and we got approached again by the uh, Christ of God, Mother God. I forgot the oh, name of their church, really? the Mother God <laughs> Church. We got approached again, there. man. They be on it, and it was it was a gang of them out there too. And so, uh, I, 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 one, I didn't even really feel like being at Walmart, right? So I did. I really didn't want to get into this whole into this whole debate and conversation with these people, right? But uh, so what happened was I was still in the truck. My wife got out the truck and like it was a group of them and then they kind of split off. And so one of the women approached my wife because she was first out the truck and uh, she was, you know, telling her about how, yeah, you can get you to the Bible study and this and that and that and this. And she before she even let her speak, she was going on this whole thing because it was Saturday. She was going on this whole thing about how, yeah, Saturday is the Sabbath and worshiping on Sunday is not and this and that. And so. I, I didn't even take it there, but I wanted to be like, if Saturday's the Sabbath, first of all, then why are you working? 
like, why, why are you out here doing any of this? Right, you you you're going hard on worshiping on Sunday or whatever. But you're actually, you know, if we were going under the Sabbath laws, you're actually violating them right now, right? Um, and so, but I didn't even take it there with her because I didn't want to feel. I didn't feel like we was like, no, we're good. So we go inside. And then, because uh, I could tell she didn't want to talk to me anyway. She was talking directly to my wife because, you know, mm-hmm. they believe that the woman shouldn't teach a man or whatever. So anyhow, um, I get we get in there, and then I, one of the two brothers approached me, two guys, which is, was shocking because I've only seen women, you know, doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And so when they came up on me, I was like, okay. I, you know, obviously God want me to have this conversation today. So we go, we're talking for about an hour. And the bottom line is one of the things we got into is, uh, one of the things we got into is uh, somebody trying to offer some kind of promotion or something. I think this may be for you, Anthony, because of your Discord. Uh, I'm getting something from Discord. But anyway, um, we get into this whole thing about, we get into the whole thing about false gospel. And I'm like, look, I'm not coming to your Bible study because you're teaching a false gospel. i like, I tell you what, though. If you can show me where it says in the Bible that we can worship Mother God, then I'll come. You know, and obviously he couldn't show me anywhere in the Bible. What's going on, Lord? Thank you for checking in. Um, and so he went down all these different scriptures, and I'm just shutting them down left and right, left and right, just showing them how they're out of context. And um, I'm a, I need to confess something because I'm not going to lie. He said something. That made me so angry that I, I was angry and I sinned. And and so I ended up I ended up cussing. And I feel bad too because I felt like I felt like I was kinda like putting that pebble in the shoe. You know, I was kinda like you know, like making him kind of question certain things because, you know, he had his highlighted scriptures and every time he would bring up one, I would show him the context and how it was an error. But at one point he said, what did he say? He said something about how Adam was not the first man, right? Uh-huh. What's going on, Epic Ministry? Thank you for checking in. He said how Adam is not the first man, and so then I was going on this whole thing about how well if Adam's not the first man, then then um, did the people before Adam need Jesus? Because the Bible say Adam sinned, and because of Adam sinned, that's why we need Jesus. And so did Jesus die? Say, and so I was like, where are you even getting that this wasn't the? He's like, well, science proves. Through, through their dating processes that, you know, thousands of years. And when he said that whole science proved, it took me back to a time when we was at, um, we was at SeaWorld. And we, and we were at SeaWorld, they, was, they had this whole room talking about how millions of years ago this happened and millions, billions of years ago this happened. And I was just like, man, he, he just kept telling me how he was trying to prove his point about God by saying scientists, um, scientists uh the way they date prove that there was people before adam or something and i was like yeah those scientists are full of s right because I, 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 I was i got so frustrated i was like they full of crap man and so uh and i could just see his face like light up when i said that or whatever so i think that kind of like hindered my ability to share with him but i was so angry that he that he was trying to he was he was basically taking science word over the Bible and using that in his theology. And it just, it just made me so angry, man. And so I can tell you, man, false gospel. And matter of fact, we're going to be, do, we're going to react to a video later on today, which also kind of had me angry. So I need to have grace when I uh, respond to this video uh, <laughs> later on. But man, like, I just couldn't believe some of the stuff that he was saying. And it just, it just frustrated me. And when he, when he went to scientists for his, for his answer, I was really like, man, come on, dude, come on. Like the, the way they date stuff, 
one one scientist may say this thing is a million years old. Another one may say it's five million years old. They the way they date stuff, they're not even consistent with it, right? What's going on, um, Ali? Thanks for checking in. So anyhow, what, what you got anything you want to add on the false gospel? Like somebody sharing false gospel, is it time to leave the church? Yeah, I think that's a that's a big red flag. I think Paul said to call them accursed. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, that's in Galatians. If they, bring, if they bring another gospel, yeah, Galatians one, and, and he was serious about that thing. He said even if if we come to you. And we change our tune and start preaching a different gospel, you know, and, and I say that to our con- congregation. I was like, if you start hearing me teach something that is no longer in the Bible that you can't verify that, you know, I have no proof of, I'm just throwing stuff out there. You know, you, you got to check me on that. Don't, 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 don't let me get away with that. Don't let anybody get away with that, yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. at the end of the day, people's souls are on the line. I was, um, we were out last weekend uh witnessing and uh end up coming across a guy who was a uh hebrew israelite oh mm. man we talked for about an hour hour and a half just like you like you said scripture for scripture shot for shot you know and i can tell that you know i'm starting to win him over because as we're talking he's shaking my hand like oh man you man you in that word man you in that word you know but ultimately the the, the divide is their gospel doesn't is not for the world all people can't be saved according to their gospel and that's a struggle and that's and that's got to be considered a false gospel from their point of view no that's the gospel that's it that he's only going to save black and brown people and those black and brown people have to be either genetic israelites or spiritual israelites because they say well you know if you're an israelite you you receive it spiritually you know, that's for the ones that when you start talking about tracing DNA and you say, well, your DNA is, you know, proves that you're not an Israelite. Well, well, this is a spiritual thing. It's 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 not just, you know, uh, uh, through DNA. We know because spiritually we receive that, you know. And, and so I think at the end of the day, the gospel is 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 uh, preeminent. The gospel is of the highest priority. If we get the gospel wrong, then everything after that's going to be wrong. You, you've got to be able uh, to preach the gospel and know what the gospel is. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, uh, to the Jew and then also to the Greek. And so the gospel is uh, the, the, the linchpin. Without the gospel, you know, he said, if, if, if our, our gospel is veiled, it's veiled because the God of this world has blinded their minds to it. And so, yeah. the gospel you get the gospel wrong then you got everything wrong after that so yeah definitely so with that in mind let's go ahead and uh, just share some key things um we kind of go back and forth on of the gospel like key things you must believe in the gospel and one i just said salvation is off grace alone you know if if they're preaching a works a work-based gospel that's not the gospel um, you know, so that that's one thing. Uh, another one I would say is the, the divinity of Christ. You know, because right. even um, um, when Jesus was talking to his disciples and they're like, who do people say I am? And then he questioned it. Well, who do you say I am? I think that is key on who you believe Christ to be. And if you don't think Christ is if Christ is not God, then he is a um, he's a blasphemer. You know, if he's not God, he's a blasphemer. And so uh, if you don't believe that Jesus is God, then. I believe you've following the wrong gospel. Is there anything else you would add in that? Um, that um, 
our sins were paid for by Christ. Yeah. That we can't pay for our own sins. There's there's no way that we could pay the price for our sins, that he was the propitiation for our sins. He was the substitutionary uh, atonement for our sins. And, and, and there's no way around that. We could never be able to pay for our, our sins, even when the Israelites would give the bulls and the goats and the blood. You know, that was temporary. They had to keep going back and doing that. But Jesus died once and for all. And so that's why when we put our trust and our faith in him, our sins are forgiven and, and there's no other way, you know, to, to, to receive the forgiveness of sins, except through uh, faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Let me ask you this. And this one is one that I'm kind of on the fence of, but I'm leaning towards, um, I'll just say, I'll just ask you, do you, do you believe part of trusting the gospel is believing that who the son set free is free indeed if once you if you're saying that you had a holy spirit nothing will take you away from christ do you think that's an essential belief in the other gospel yeah i i would agree in in the in the sense that you know if i believe number one that jesus is the christ that what he did was enough to save mm -hmm. to say to, to to forgive my sins that he rose from the grave because i think that's another point in the gospel that we didn't say but believing yeah. that he rose from yeah. the grave then when the holy spirit comes into our life the bible says that we are sealed and that's part of believing the gospel is believing that all those things are true because if you believe if you don't believe all those things are true then then you then you believe you can fall away you believe that something can take you out of his hands and so I don't know if that's believing in the supremacy of Christ. I don't know if that's believing in the power of God, that what Jesus did was enough to sustain mm -hmm. me. Uh, he, he can save me, but he can't keep me. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he can save me, but he, but, but somehow I can slip through the cracks. No, I, 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 I have to believe fully in the saving power of Christ that he saved me once and for all. And I belong to him. And I got to know that even if I get off track, Holy spirit is going to convict my heart of sin. Yeah. And, keep, and bring me back. He's, I'm not going to be able to just, you know, walk away and just not believe anymore. Yeah, I, I don't think you can believe that, you know, and well, I, I'll just put it this way. I think that that is a part of putting your trust fully in Christ. Yeah, I, I do, too. I struggle with because I do know there's some prominent biblical teachers who who not or they're on the fence of it. Like, I mean, because there are some scriptures that on the surface may seem like you can lose your salvation. But I personally believe that the, those people who who walk away from the faith, they were never saved. Like, like cause, and the reason why I say this, not to discredit somebody's testimony, not to discredit, you know, their, their, their walk with Christ or nothing like that. But the reason why I say this is because I truly believe greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I truly believe that if you actually were saved, that means you got the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit is not going to allow you to fail because that will make the Holy Spirit a failure. Now, a lot of people don't maybe not agree with me on that, but in my, in my mind, if I, if, like, why would I get the Holy Spirit just to lose the Holy Spirit? And God knows everything. And so to me, I just can't wrap my head around how God will save us knowing that we're just going to walk away. You well, know, so. I, I think... I think it, it's, it comes down to the difference between believing and faith, you know, 
that to believe is human, but faith is divine. And so when we believe on the faith that he has placed in us, that is powerful enough to take us to eternity, you know? And so uh, there are people that may believe, but not to the point of transformation that they yeah. can, they, they can believe, you know, some of this stuff, they can believe to a certain point. That's why they can go to church for years and they can sing in the choir and they can be a deacon or they can do this because they believe to a certain point, but believing to the point of transformation, once the, once that happens, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you go from eternal life back to temporary life, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's where the, 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 the issue is, is, and we as human beings, man, that's a hard deal. That's why he said that at the end, his angels would do a separating. We can't do the separating. We don't, cause, cause we might mess it up saying, yeah. well, you're saying you're not saved. You're saved. you don't know. You don't know where people are at in their process. You don't know where people are at in their maturity. You don't know where people are at, you know, in this thing. And so uh, there might be a person that you think is saved that's not going to be there when you get there and somebody you thought wasn't saved and they are yeah. sitting right there on the front row when you get there. You're like, what? You were saved? See, that's, <laughs> you know, so I, I just, I don't, you know, presume to be able to make that decision. But I, what I do do is say, here's what the Bible says. Here's what it, it lays out. Let's follow that. And I believe that if you desire to be saved, there's no way he's going to cast you out. There's no way he's going to push you away and not allow you to be if that's your heart's desire. Amen. And for those who may just be joining us, we're talking, when is it time to leave the church? And our first point was if they're preaching a false gospel, which we, I think is pretty self-explanatory. If you're at a place where they're not teaching the true gospel, <clears throat> you need to get up out of there. Um, and so what I did was I have a list of another three. Anthony, did you make a list of ones that you felt? I did. Um, you did? Okay. I did. So then, and they're probably similar to yours. So Yeah, they just, probably are. So what I'll do is I'll let you do the next one. So uh, what's another reason somebody should consider or actually leave a, a church? Well, it, it's, um, you know, it's kind of similar to a, a false gospel is when a person shows that they are teaching false and, dis and divisive um, um, uh, doctrine. The mm. false gospel is one point, but doctrine is another. So, you know, what if they get the gospel right, but then they, they teach some other types of doctrines that are divisive and actually create more division in the church? Uh, we were just reading in um, Romans uh, this past week. We were finishing up on our study on Romans. And Romans 16, 7, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. So if that's the, the pastor of the church and Paul saying avoid them, then yeah. that might mean <laughs> that you, you don't need to be at that particular local body. Um, if that person is to be avoided now, of course, you know, you go and you, you ask questions, you share, you try to see if you can, you know, figure out where they're coming from. But if they're teaching something that is creating division, that is contrary to what the word of God says, then just like a false gospel, there are false doctrines that are being preached from pulpits across America as well. Mm, can you give us an example of one that, that if they um, did this, you would leave a church? Yeah. Uh, you know, if a person, you know, um, 
as as Paul said uh, in uh, uh, First Timothy four, you know, let's say they're preaching a message about you know, um, you know, forbidding people to to be married, right? They're mm-hmm. saying well, here, you know, Jesus is coming back, so we don't we don't allow people to be married in our church because we're preparing yeah. for the coming of Jesus. That's that almost sounds crazy, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very time controlling at the minimum. Right. It's it's time to leave. It's time. Like, you know, especially if you, you know, talk to this person and like, oh, no, this is this is what the Bible says that, you know, you 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 want to abstain from marriage because Jesus is coming back. And, you know, so we don't allow people to marry this in this church. (laughs) I mean, that's a crazy, you know, one. But it was something that Paul had had dealt with. And I was like, really? There was there were really people teaching folks to abstain from marriage because they're getting ready for the return of Christ. Yeah, I can believe it, man. I had this guy, man, hit me up in my com- one of my comment sections and just talking about how, like, like uh, if you were married, divorced, your spouse still living, you remarried, you're constantly living in adultery, and you need to leave your wife, leave your current wife and go back to your other wife. And so I tell you, I can stay at a church where they say, hey, you know what, you divorced or so you can't preach. You know, we believe, we, we interpret this scripture this way. Um, the scripture where it talks about, you know, the uh, qualifications of an elder and a preacher and that kind of stuff. And, I, and you know, again, me personally, I believe we're all called to be disciples. We're all called to, you know, uh, share our testimonies and share Christ with people and evangelize the whole nine. So I don't need to be a preacher to do that, right? So I'm cool. So if I was at a church and they was like, hey, you couldn't teach or preach because of this, whatever. You know, um, but where I would leave a church is if that they're telling me that I have to leave my current wife, leave my current family and go back. And here's the reason why I would say that one, when I was first married, I wasn't even thinking about God. I, like I was not even I wasn't saved the whole nine or whatever. Wasn't following my relationship with Christ just wasn't there. When I married my current wife, I was in the same situation. I wasn't thinking about God, wasn't doing any of that. Well, in the midst of me getting saved and understanding and growing in my relationship with Christ, I realized what I did in the past was a sin. So now I give my life to Christ. I get baptized. The Bible says I'm a new creation. The Bible also says that uh, God hates divorce and we shouldn't get divorced. So in order for me to fix one, you're saying that what Christ did wasn't good enough to pay for that sin in the past. And then two, now you're saying that I have to sin again. I have to divorce again to fix that one in the past. And and a lot of people think that your current marriage is not a marriage, but when Jesus talked to the woman at the well, he said she was married multiple times. Then too, I know we did a show on uh, polygamy and how, you know, people have multiple wives. And so for you to tell me that, I mean, this guy gave me a whole dissertation about how I'm in error and how I need to leave my wife and all this other kind of stuff. And there are people who believe that. There are people who who, who teach that. And uh, if you're one of those people watching today, I want to say you would literally have to sin again in order to do that. You would have to get divorced again to do that because God do recognize it as a marriage. You know, your second marriage, your third marriage, whatever, God recognizes it as a marriage. Now, was I in error from the way I got divorced? Yes. And there was a, matter of fact, there was a lot of other stuff I was in error with because I was living in sin. I mean, there were tons of things uh, that I did wrong at that time. But um, 
if if I'm at a church where they tell me that yeah you gotta you gotta leave your family now and divorce them, I think they're I I think that's a false doctrine. So what uh, uh and you and you brought up the polygamy. I just I just want to throw, throw this out there. So what if you're at a church that they say, well, if you only got one wife, you're not going to heaven. <laughs> if you only have one wife, I I mean I don't know where they get that from. <laughs> have you actually heard that? Yes. So what scripture do they use? <laughs> like I, I'm curious to see how would somebody justify that. Um, I think the scripture they use was from Isaiah, um, Isaiah chapter four, and it talks about there'll come a time where there'll be seven women to one man, um, and they'll be begging, you know, for his name, uh, in or uh, for them to marry them in order for them to uh, to be made right. It's a crazy scripture, and and that's not the context of the scripture. That's not the point of the scripture. But like that's you said, amazing. people people can pull stuff to justify. <laughs> You know, and then they'll go back to Old Testament and, you know, and say, well, King David had more than one wife. Solomon had more than one wife. And don't you believe that these are righteous men? You know, it goes back to the whole polygamy thing, you know, and it's like, okay, especially when you go into, you know, uh, other types of uh, Christian religions, Hebrew Israelites, Mormonism, different Mm -hmm. ones that that actually, you know, promote these kind of things. what if you came into your church and your pastor started teaching that? <laughs> yeah, I would probably point them to this, the, the same scripture on the qualifications to be an elder. And to be able to, <laughs> right, like, right. So you're saying I can't go to heaven if I have multiple wives, but this teaching is telling me to have one wife, right, in order to, to fulfill this role. So, so yeah, um, I, I, I would say, well, you got to make that make sense to me. But, yeah, I probably wouldn't continue to, to be under their leadership. You know, I, pro- I probably wouldn't trust them, trust their leadership. Um, right. And, 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 I, and I, I think that's the key, too, man. When you when you go to a church, just like we, we're quick to say, oh, you know, man submit to God and woman submit to husband. And, you know, to a certain point, we're supposed to ex- submit to our, our uh pastors our, our elders you know um obey them take guidance from them take counseling from them you know that kind of stuff and so if i'm at a church where i don't feel comfortable following this person's leadership that that alone may be a reason to leave you know if you're not comfortable following that person's leadership right um so that that brings me to my next reason one, my next reason why you should probably consider leaving the church, and I actually experienced this. So I will, you know, so after you may agree or disagree with me on this one, but I think it's a serious reason to leave a church if their pastor has no accountability. If you're at a church where, and, and, and well, let me say this he has no accountability, and the accountability he has are basically just yes, man, that's going to do what he say. And if they don't do what he say, they get cast aside and the reason why i say that accountability is an essential aspect of any leadership position and it's no different in church the bible emphasizes the importance of accountability and warns against the danger of an unaccountable unaccountable leader proverbs eleven fourteen, where there's no guidance that people falls but in abundance of counselors there is safety you know so this verse highlights the importance of having wise and trustworthy advisors who can offer guidance and correction when necessary and in the absence of this people are likely to stumble and fall um, I think first Peter, uh, Peter urges the church leaders to be accountable and humble. You know, I exhort the leaders among you as fellow elders and a witness 
of the suffering of Christ as well as partakers in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God who put who uh, as God who have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not um, dominating over them. Let me see. The reason we left our church, the reason we left our church, but through a lot of prayer. So yeah. So this again, accountability to me, I think is is a big one, right? Because if 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 your pastor can just make up rules and just kind of do things, and then when somebody come to them and try to say, "Hey, that may be an error, that may be wrong," and they got veto power over everybody else, that's a dangerous place to be in, right? It, it, it really is. What, what's your thoughts on that, Anthony? Well, I think you know when you look at how Paul structured the churches, um, he went through and he ordained elders, not an elder. He ordained elders. And so there should be a plurality of leadership. Um, and I think that's fundamental because, um, like you said, uh, if I stand alone with all decision making power, even good men can be corrupted by that. Right. Even yeah. people who actually have a humble heart can eventually be corrupted, you know, because they can do they can do whatever they want. And so if you have that power, um, that power corrupts. Uh, when you look at scripture, you know, he talks about, um, he tells Titus in Titus chapter one, and I think it's verse five, he says to go and ordain elders. And then he uh, gives a qualification for those elders. And then he shows that there were some people uh, in the islands of Crete that were teaching, you know, things that were dangerous. And he said, rebuke them sharply. Mm. so that They may be sound in faith. So what is he telling him to do? He's telling him to go and be in accountability. And he, and Titus is accountable to Paul. Uh, uh, and, and, and Titus is holding these individuals accountable. Uh, and then he says, go and teach sound doctrine in chapter two. And so the, the picture is, you know, for leaders and, and you know, and I, and I, and I'm, I'm, I just am a big, big proponent of this because, you know, I have a leadership team and I don't really make, I don't make hardly any decisions um without my leadership team unless i've already been empowered by the leadership team to make that decision that, that that actually this is your decision under your responsibilities in this particular role you know um and i think that's important to be accountable uh i don't care who you are <laughs> you, you should be accountable to somebody you know yeah. so i i don't I, yeah i don't i don't think i disagree with that at all i think that that's an important piece of being a great leader, being a good leader, being a strong leader, is that um, you have leadership around you. And even if it's not elders, um, most churches were set up in the Bible with uh, elders and deacons. And yeah. so deacons were supposed to be able to teach and were supposed to be tested and well-trusted. And so if anybody, you know, again, uh, crosses the line with the word uh, from pastor on down, because apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they don't run the church. They don't run the church. Christ is the head of the church. Yeah. And so the word governs all of those positions. Anybody who holds any position in a church, the word governs that. And so um, ultimately, you know, people think that this, this person runs the church. That's not true. You know, and 
if you're in a church like that, you you, you got to be careful because uh, that can, yeah. that can end badly because having that kind of power can corrupt. It, it, it leads to spiritual abuse. You know, this is where people like, hey, the church, they, they experience that church hurt and they don't want to even go back to a church. Uh, it can lead to a uh, lack of transparency. So the pastor could literally be doing whatever they want to do. And people just don't know about it or they know about it when it's when it's too late. I think we were kind of talking about this a little bit when we were talking about giving and tithing and, and how, you know, we're supposed to be able to help our church. But if uh, at what point will you feel like you're uh, funding somebody's dream, right? You know, I think that should be a... Uh, church membership decision. Okay, hey guys, we're growing. We want to go and do this. Let's vote on it, and then right. and let's all decide if we as a church want to get behind doing this. Versus one person made a decision, and you got to shut up and color. Um, and I, I personally experienced that at a church, so that was definitely one that was high on my list. Of uh, I, I got to witness firsthand what it's like having somebody who like if you disagree with him, then you are out. So meaning he had zero accountability. Yeah. And I think that leads to, you know, what I would say would be next on that list is unrepented sexual immorality. You know, Mm. is that a person It's one thing for a person to fall. It's another thing for a person to have a track record that, you know, this is going on and you've got people covering for them. Like you say, yes, men around them, covering it up, protecting it, not, you know, you might definitely need to get out of a place like that. You know, I think about uh, second uh, first Corinthians, I think it's first Corinthians five, where Paul talks about the young man who was sleeping with his father's wife, you know, and the whole church knew about it. And he was like, Hey, you guys aren't saying anything about this. You're not, you're not confronting this guy. He said, well, look, I need y'all to confront him. The next time y'all come together as a church, I need y'all to confront him and I need y'all to uh, dismiss him from the congregation, turn him over to Satan, you know, so that he can be saved. And I think if that's the leadership, you know, you really, if you can't put him out, then you're going to have to leave because you can't be under that kind of leadership because, you know, that's, that's dangerous. So I, I think that goes hand in hand. Yeah, I think, um, and correct, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm almost certain that was an issue at Bethel where um, they found out that one of the pastors was molesting kids or something, and they um, they kind of covered it up. They kind of swept it under the rug. Um, and so that, that's the kind of stuff that happens. I was, I think we was watching, me and my wife was watching this one show about this little girl who was uh, kidnapped by a family friend. And he was a member of the church, and the church knew that he had an issue with pedophilia, wow. and and you know they kind of covered it up. I mean, and so when you're not holding people accountable, all kind of stuff, all kind of stuff can happen. You know, uh, I mean, you that's where you start getting into the false doctrines and the false teachings and the, all all kinds of stuff. So yeah, I definitely think that's another reason if they have no accountability and it's their way and no other way. You know, uh, I think that's a dangerous place. All right, Evan, what's another one on your list? Um, well, I actually have a, <laughs> I guess I would call this a, a, a good reason <laughs> okay. to leave the church, you know, in Acts chapter 13, after much prayer, um, the Holy Spirit set to set apart uh, Barnabas and Saul for the work mm-hmm. that God has given them. And so they were leaving the Antioch church to go and plant other churches to preach the gospel. And so 
and you never really hear about people doing that because um because i feel like the church should be built that way to build to send people off to expand you know the the reach of the kingdom to build the kingdom of god and so there should be built in i think sometimes and and this is and this is again a very touchy thing sometimes and i think you talked about earlier people outgrow their current church and it's tough to say what that really means right you know when we talk about outgrow sometimes a person's talking about they're not getting enough when what if it means that you're not doing enough what if you're supposed to be being empowered to go out and now teach and do and and and, and be that leader because uh, you've been led, you've been filled, you've been trained, you've been taught. So now it's time for you. Now it's time for that church to get behind you and and maybe plant and, and, and send you out instead of you just leaving there to go to another church and probably be frustrated there for a while and then go to another church and repeat this cycle. And so I think there are, uh, this is one of the good reasons <laughs> to leave a church is to be sent out uh, to be able to preach the gospel and expand the kingdom of God. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's actually a, a, a really good reason. Um, I've seen, I've seen this in practice two times. Um, one, I think ARC churches they do this really well. Um, now I know they're taking a lot of heat right now in the media, and they got some other stuff going on. But ARC churches are set up to like, hey, you get there, you serve, you got, you, they see your spiritual gifts, then they set you out, they help you start another church in another area, they keep it going. Um, and it's like a whole little organization. I. I, I'm kind of hesitant, like, I, me personally, I'm a little hesitant of being a part of, like, church organizations like that, because if the Holy Spirit, if I read something in Scripture, and then that art church kind of got a different view on it or whatever, they kind of, like, expect you to fall in line with what they believe, right, which I think is dangerous, can, can be dangerous as well. But um, my pastor in um, L.A., uh, Pastor Daniel, he is big on this. And that's one of the reasons why I like him as a pastor. He's like the most humble leader I, I personally have ever met. And he's big on equipping the church to go out and, and do what they're supposed to do. And so, like, if you got a gift of evangelism, he's going to make sure you're able to do that. If you got a gift yeah. of giving, he's going to make sure you're able to do that. And he, even in the middle of the pandemic, I think we opened up two other church locations in L.A. And if y'all know anything about L.A. during COVID, it was shut down down but the weather was so nice we was able to do outside churches so yeah. we had a couple locations set up and so when most people wasn't going to church we were still in church we were still fellowshipping coming together almost the entire pandemic in one of the worst shut down places you know uh and so he 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 really did well at that and that uh actually ties into one of my other reasons is of uh you should probably consider leaving a church if you're not able to use your gifts like if you if you have certain spiritual gifts, um, you know you have a calling that God have you to do, and and there's no opportunity or room for you to use that in that particular church setting, then it may be that may be the Holy Spirit showing you that it's time to go somewhere where you can use those spiritual gifts, right? Um, and I think about it like um, like these huge mega churches. So say you you're called to teach and preach, but you're so far removed from your pastor and leadership that you never had an opportunity 
that it may be it may be time for you. that may not be where you, may be where you need to be you know you need to be somewhere where you can use those gifts now it's important to you know approach that decision with prayer and discernment you know seek guidance and counsel from mature believers and that kind of stuff um, because uh, you don't want to leave a church just to follow your own selfish ambitions but like if God is like straight up calling you to do something and you're being shut down or don't have an opportunity to do that. That may be a sign you're not where you're supposed to be, and it may be a sign of kind of going back to your point, Anthony, of like, hey, maybe God is urging you to go and do do what you're supposed to do somewhere else. What's your thoughts on on not being able to use your spiritual gifts? Yeah, I think again, that's a t- that's a what do you call it a a, a tightrope that you walk that you walk when when because you do have to really check your own motive, right? Yeah, check your own heart to make sure that it's about doing the work of the Lord and not, like you said, selfish ambition that I just want to be seen. I feel like I've, I'm important. I feel like I need to be able to do something. But if it's the Holy Spirit impressing upon you, I, I would hope, you know, and, and like you said, it's it's a shame that it's not as normal, but I would hope that the leadership would see that and they would want to put you to work. You know, they would want to get yeah. you up and doing and, 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 and doing things. You know, I think, you know, kind of like you know, like your pastor uh, in uh, in uh, California, I'm similar to that. You don't 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 show me you got anything because I'm going to say, all right, let's go. Yeah. Let's, let, let's hit it. Oh, you can teach. All right. Let's do some training, Bible study training. Let's get you teaching Bible studies. You evangelize. All right. Let's get out. You're going to be a part of this evangelism team man. you you're going to you're going to go you know you you enjoy praying you love praying for people hey let's get on this prayer team let's get out here let's do this you know that's your role as a pastor to do that, that that's, that's what I, you know that's that's what i believe i mean i because the bible says i think it's a uh, first uh first peter 4 uh 10 he says as everyone has received a gift uh we have to use that gift as a good steward of the manifold grace of god and he goes on to say, if you're gifted to speak, then speak as the oracle of God. If you're gifted yeah. to minister, then minister with the ability that God has given so that Christ may be glorified. And so the, the Bible commands for you to use your gifts if you have them. And so leaders should should know that command and want to put people in position to be able to do. You know, I, I mean, it's interesting to me that you have leaders that... Um, I guess cater to the elite, cater to a you know a, a certain group of people, and so once they have their certain group of people, they don't look for any other people. They kind of yeah. All right, everybody else is good because I got my pastoral team here. We can do all the work, you know. We'll do it, and you know we'll pay ourselves some really good salaries, and <laughs> we'll do everything right, you know. Whereas, what about the people who, if you empower the pews, then look at how much work we can accomplish for the kingdom of God. Yeah. You know, because that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, and I think, too, sometimes, like, not necessarily on when it's time to leave a church, but one warning sign for people, like, if you have a gift and you're really good at it, God gave you that gift to use for the kingdom. And a lot of that's times right. we see people with really good mm-hmm. gifts taking that and doing it other places, you know, um, especially uh, singing, for example. You know, I, I'm almost certain Whitney Houston started singing in the church, and then as she got famous and did her thing, she that kind of she kind of took that gift and used it somewhere else. And so, um, so that's another that's another thing to kind of 
be weary of is that, you know, if you got something you're good at, you, you should be using that for the kingdom somehow. Um, I know um, one of my churches, you know, uh, the military gave me a lot of training on, you know, uh, anti-terrorism and force protection and, and you know, just just certain things. And my, my church had to, uh, based off the law, they had to implement those kind of trainings for their staff and stuff. And so I was able to get that to them for free. They didn't have to go out and hire nobody to do it because I've done it so many times in the military, you know, with my security background. And so uh, – I, I think it's stuff like that. It's like, you know, if God blessed you with a talent and a skill, you know, you should look for opportunities to use that for the kingdom, you know. Um, and so. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that 100 percent, you know, and, you know, any uh, any of the folks that, you know, come to our church, they know you can do poetry, you can rap, you can sing, you can whatever. We're, we're going to put that to use uh, for the glory of God because it may reach somebody in a way that my sermon won't, you know, it may be the mm -hmm. sermon that they need to, that they need to see visually. Um, and it can, it can reach out to them. And so I think, you know, cause some churches are like, well, that's not in the Bible or you can't do this. You can't do that. And so what you do is you force people back out into the world, you know, where their, their, their ability is accepted. And now, um, you, you lose somebody who could really be helping, uh, to, to, to preach the gospel in a very unique and different way. Yeah, definitely. So I have one more that I want to share. Again, if you're watching and you have a reason that you may have left the church in the past or somebody may consider, throw, throw it in the comments and we'll we'll chat about it. Um, Anthony, you you have any any more? Um, I have a few just uh, kind of miscellaneous. You know, sometimes okay. people sometimes people leave the church because uh, you know they graduate from high school and they move on, right? Yeah. And you know, my my children. They're considered members of my church, but they ended up finding them a church in their in their in their college town where they were at. I'm not, I, you know, I wasn't mad at them because they, you know, whatever. But they found their church and they found the church where they fit in and they were able to use their gifts. My son was leading a, a, a men's group there. Uh, my daughter, uh, she got to uh, uh, be a part of a Christian sorority. You know, built one from the ground up. Um, also a bunch of ministries uh, on the campus and they, they found a place, you know, and we encourage them, you know, so I don't think that that's a bad thing, but it, you, you're moving on, you're going to another state, you're, you're moving out. So even if you're graduating from college or you're just moving on to a new place, I got a good friend um, who just moved out to, to, to uh, Florida and yeah. he's in Florida. He still tries to attend, but I'm trying to help him to find a church because I believe he should be physically invested and involved somewhere where his gifts and his abilities can be used for the kingdom purpose. And so you would say, well, you're trying, you're, you're, you're actually on the phone trying to help him find a church. Well, yeah, he doesn't live here anymore. So he yeah. needs a church home there. You know, I, of course he's, this is home, right? It's like when you leave your mom and dad's house, that's no longer, I mean, that's not home anymore. You know, it, it's still the, the place where you can call home, but now you go out to a new place. So I think those are a couple of reasons that are not ne not necessarily bad or good. They just are. They just are. And that's that's actually my other one. When you, you, you have to move to another city or you're being called. So, for example, with me being in the military, you know, every so many years, I have to move to another city. And so do I just neglect fellowship and no i'm gonna find right. another church in that time and then there's plenty of biblical examples of that especially in the book of acts right 
Uh, let me see. I, I I left some notes. I think Paul uh, Acts uh, eighteen. You know, he left uh, Athens to go to uh, Corinth, Corinth, the Corinthians, right? Um, I think who was it? Um, there was somebody else who uh, another example. Uh, um, Philip, right? So um, um, we read that uh, um, the death of Stephen, the believers in Jerusalem were scattered throughout the region of Judea, well, yeah, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed mm -hmm. Christ to the people there. So that's another, you know, he had to leave. Um, the angel of the Lord told him, to, uh, Philip, to, uh, to uh, go down to uh, uh, go down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Um, I'm trying to think of do I have any other, but, but the bottom line is there are examples of when there's time to just go somewhere else, go to another city, go to another place. That may be uh, work. It may be family concern. Like you said, you graduated and you had to move on. Um, you know, uh, maybe you need to move somewhere. Like right now where we live in Texas, we have no family here. You know, so if we were ever in a position where we needed to be around family, that may be a reason for us to leave. And this gets back to what we were talking about with the church being one, right? If we're all Bible-believing, right. doctrine-teaching churches, there shouldn't be an issue with me moving to another city and fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters in Christ there, you know? And so, uh, yeah, that was my last. That was my last reason to leave. But April uh, provided a reason here. She says, um, "When they're more concerned about the platform instead of the purpose, that's a good one." I uh, actually came across this uh, this video this morning um, about this guy critiquing Michael Todd. Michael Todd been getting a lot of heat lately on social media. Oh man, uh, yeah. But uh, he was critiquing him. Uh, I guess Michael Todd did this sermon on. Uh, on like street preachers, kind of saying how street preachers are not reaching anybody. Like you, they don't even know you, and you're yelling at them, and blah blah blah. So this guy talks about how he he gave a lot of biblical examples of street preachers, like John John the Baptist being one of them, right? And so he used some of those examples. But um, but uh, one of the things he talked about in that video was about how like really most of the disciples and 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 Christ and John they all went out and talk and now especially in america we have a get everybody to the church get everybody to the church kind of mentality and he was his argument was it's not it's not about and like april was saying it's not about the platform our purpose is to be out evangelizing the church is for believers is what we come in fellowship but we we're called to go out to the lost that's our purpose yeah. right and if you're if your church is not going out to the lost then essentially you just got a country club you know, y'all y'all just a bunch of believers just hanging out and kicking it, which is why on this show I'm always thinking what kind of topic can I put to get an atheist on here, to get a non-believer on here, because it's good for us to fellowship, but ultimately I want a non-believer to hear this. And so uh, so, so, what's your thoughts on that? They're more concerned about the platform than the purpose. Well, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I know April, so I definitely understand what she's saying. Um because yeah, sometimes it's it's really all about, hey, we we're we're building this great church, right? We're building this great ministry, and you should want to be a part of this great ministry. We got it going on, and they forget all about the purpose. Is number one reaching the loss, number two equipping the saints, and number three serving the least. That if we're not doing those things, if we're just like you said, you know, building ourselves up. You know, we're just trying to make ourselves look great, you know, and you got to fit in with us and you make people feel bad 
you know, if they don't meet your standard because you're the you're the king of your castle and all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm with you, man. That's why, you know, we're, we we have uh, we have something three out of the four weekends. We're trying to put something on the fourth weekend that we're missing. I think it's second second uh, Saturdays that we go out. We go out and engage our community, talk with them embrace them you know if if it's taking food if it's just taking conversation if it's just you know a cup of coffee we're going to go out and we're going to engage our community um and because that's what it's all about if i'm just preaching you know and all of all of our pastors are the same way they look out and they say they say well if everybody's saved then we, we gotta we got some work to do we do we do the call for salvation at the end and nobody like all right well that means y'all gotta go to work we gotta get busy because it can't just be i love y'all and i enjoy being around y'all but i want to see some new people embracing christ you know um in their life so yeah i i feel like what are we doing if we're not reaching the loss what are we doing that's a good point man you you do the altar call and nobody comes up yeah we got some work to do if everybody say no, that's that's good. Uh, your love, um, your love, basically uh, piggybacked on it. It's been said in so many words, but no outreach uh, ministry. And yeah, we gotta reach the loss. We have. To, I'll be honest. I need to do more of that myself. Like actually getting out, going, and 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 reaching the loss. Uh, I kind of I kind of gotten away from that since I moved here to Texas. So I kind of need to get back into it. Um, well, you know what, you know what, Rico? Um, I was telling my wife this, and I'm going to say it out loud, so I'm being held accountable to it. But um, come, you know, summer months and things like that, um, the Lord has put on my heart to go and visit some of the people that I know and hit the streets with them. And so I'm going to be calling you and seeing what your schedule is and I'm in town. We're going we gonna to hit your neighborhood. We're going to go yeah. to that King Cooper's or that grocery store where uh, the, the Mother God folks is. And, and me and you, we can go we, we, we can go toe-to-toe with them. We can go preach the gospel to them. Hey, you know? definitely. Let me know, man. We, um, hey, <laughs> I was uh, out of town. I was just getting back in town, rather. But my church just did a whole uh, – um, remember Darren? Darren's on the show. He just yeah, taught yeah. our members of our church to how to go out and evangelize and how to do a one-minute um, testimony and share the gospel in under a minute. And then, so he trained them, and then they went out and, and went out and did it. So um, I just, I just personally missed it. I didn't, I didn't get to see it, but Darren was doing that. Uh, and then um, I will say, um, when we do our food pantry, we do mm-hmm. have a lot of non-believers there. So one, we're 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 giving to the needy, but then before we give food, we preach to them. Matter of fact, we got that coming up this Saturday, and so I have been doing it there. See, and so whenever I, I get I to preach there. With you. I want to coordinate, come out on the weekend when you guys are doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, because you know, let me tell you what's, and, and my pastor, I'm sure he will be willing to let you speak during that time too. And I, I, I like it because it gives me the opportunity to preach to non-believers. So, so yeah. they're there, they need something, you know, they're, they're being polite. So Because we tell them, like, hey, you don't have to sit in and listen if you don't want to. You can go outside and kind of kind of wait. But most of them are sitting in and listen. And so I always pray, like, God, what do you want me to, you know, what do you want me to preach on or teach on when I had a chance to teach? Because I have a audience of non-believers. You know, well, some believers, but then some non-believers. And so that's definitely an opportunity I don't want to miss out on because they're sitting there and listening. So I always try to find something that can relate to what Christians should be doing and then help non-believers understand why we're doing it and then 
obviously tied in to the gospel to get them an opportunity to know Christ. Um, and so that that's that is one area where I do get to speak to to uh, to the lost. All right, so look, uh, so that's that's my list. Anthony, do you have any other ones before we wrap up and, and go to the digital pews? Um, no, I think we we had the same ones that talked about, you know, sexual immorality in the leadership, mm -hmm. um, false gospel, false doctrine. Um, those are the main ones because, in all actuality, anything else. The Bible kind of tells you that as believers, if you have ought with someone, you're supposed to go to them. You're supposed to try to make that right. You know, um, it, it, we're to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And so yeah. in person, person relationships, we should be looking for healing and reconciliation through obedience to Christ. But when it's on an organizational level or a leadership level, that's when we don't have the power to change anything. We can't do anything about that. And yeah. so you may have to relocate or, or, or go to somewhere else because you can't change the power structure. Right. You know, yeah. so that's why I say most of what I had was was similar to yours. Is that something where in the leadership it, there's spiritual abuse, there's, you know, uh, you know, immorality there, there's um, false doctrine, false gospel. Yeah. Those are the things that I saw. Let me, let me ask you this one. I want your opinion on this one. So say you're at a church, you've been there for years, and you're just not feeling it no more. Like, you're not really excited to go there. You know, you got your your friends and the people that you kind of deal with there, but you just you just, just not feeling it. Let's say, say you're, you're in your 20s, and, and the average age person at your church is like in their 40s or 50s, and you're just like, look, I don't know what it, I'm, I'm getting the word, I'm getting what, but far as the fellowship, I'm just not feeling it. But hey, this church down the street got people more my age, they still teaching the same word of God. You know, I actually did some evangelizing, because like that's actually, so that wasn't the reason I left my church, but the church where Pastor Daniel was at, I was at another church before I went there. And I would often go and do uh volunteer stuff, evangelize, give to the needy, give coffee to the homeless, that kind of stuff with this other church. And I would hang out with some of them. And so like my relationships there were a little bit better than my relationships at my, my current church. Although that wasn't my deciding factor, but let's just say for argument's sake, you just like, you know what? I'm just seeming to vibe better with the community here or whatever, or I'm just not getting it where I'm at. Would you what what would you say to somebody in that situation, and would you consider that a reason to leave your church? Well, yeah, I, I would I would say that as you said earlier, there's a couple of steps. You know, number one, what if God is 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 giving you to raise up a young adults ministry in that church? You know, to be the change that you want to see. You know, um, and is the church open? to that idea of you doing events that are geared towards young adults. Cause I, I've had this conversation multiple times, you know, and you're like, Hey, you know, like you said, that age gap is huge. You know, can we do something for, to attract it, to bring in, you know, people my age or younger. And is that church open to doing those kinds of things? Is that church open to partnering with the church down the street? You know, so that you don't necessarily have to leave, but you form partnerships where these churches are helping each other. You know, um, I, I, I feel like there's a couple of steps before. Now, if all those doors are shut and there's 
there's there's nothing that can be done, then I would go to my leaders and I would explain to them, you know, what's going on and what's on my heart and, you know, what I believe that, you know, God is saying for me to do. Um, I'm, I believe that we should always go, if possible, and talk to that leader and explain, hey, this is what's going on and give them a chance to give some feedback to, you know, even pray with you and pray about it. You know, yeah. and hopefully their heart's in the right place, because if, if I'm in that situation, I wouldn't want to hold a person there just because of numbers or what have you. But if I see that they can benefit from going somewhere else, then so be it. You know, may God's blessing be with you. You know, can I help you in any way? That's why I would say as a leader, I'm thinking, OK, well, if that's on your heart, then how do we get that done here? <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's the thing yeah, I no, would that's be a good thinking. point. But sometimes that's not the case. You know, I've been at a church where they were like, well, we're not a big church. So we don't we don't need a men's ministry. We don't need a marriage ministry. You know, you guys come from a larger church and you want to bring that here. We don't need that. I'm like, well, then uh, <laughs> what, what are we doing? You know, you got married people here. You got men, men here. You got young adults here. Why aren't we ministering to them? You know, and if I'm willing to volunteer to do it, why? Hey, put me to work, put me in coach, you yeah. know, and yeah. they begin to shut that down. I was evangelizing in the community around this church, bringing people in. They started running the people off. Like you got to oh. get saved before you come up in here and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, man, we knocked on doors. We prayed for people. We brought, we brought them in thinking that we're uh, bringing them to a place where they can get to know Christ and be discipled because that, that was always been my heart. And so they they messed those people up man yeah. and, and and eventually i was like you know what i think my time is up here you know because yeah. my heart is for these people and i need to go out and reach them you know and i remember telling my pastor and he was like well uh, i don't know if you're ready for all that yet you know i know one day you'll be a good minister and you know it's like wow you know um our last sunday there they didn't even say anything to us you know because hmm. we told them that We'll be leaving at the end of the month. And so we gave them quite a few weeks, you know, notice that we'll be leaving at the end of the month. Our final Sunday, nobody said nothing to us. Wow. Pastor didn't even come, didn't and, even come and, over. And let me tell you something, man. If we're truly brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be brothers and sisters in Christ no matter where I'm at. No matter what. No matter where you I know? worship, man. That, that, that to me, and I, that's the one of the things I, like I tell my wife, because, you know, I have stepkids, you know, and I, and, and I have kids from my previous marriage. And so I'm like, if me and you could split up and we're no longer family, we were never family. Yeah. Like your kids will always be my kids, regardless of what happened between us, right? And so to me, man, it's the same way in a church, man. If we're if we're brothers and sisters in Christ, you should not stop talking to me because of for whatever the reason I end up going to another church, man. Um and I can tell you from my personal testimony, it was a number of things that led up to it. But what really, what really was like, okay, I'm, I think I'm gonna go ahead and leave. Uh, so a lot of the stuff that's on my list was part of it. But ultimately, I got to a point, man, where I found myself having to make excuses to justify some of the stuff that was going on. Right, me like me and my wife every week we're having conversations like, yep. well, did he mean <laughs> yep. it that way or did it happen this way or? Right. And then I found myself um, not wanting to invite people to that church 
Like, I go. felt myself, like, not wanting, like, like I, man, I don't know if I should invite people here, man, because they may get here and they may think that. And that's when I'm like, well, why am I bringing my family here? Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm bringing my family here. And so, ultimately, I'm accountable for who's teaching my family and what my family is getting, right? Right. And so, uh, yeah, that's eventually, I was like, yeah, I got to. I gotta, I gotta find a different church, man. I have to, especially. And then my, really, my wife was like, "Look, I don't care. You go. I'm not going back there." Like it was one, <laughs> it was like one last thing. She's like, "I'm not going back." And that's when I really was like, "Okay, well, the wife has spoken. We're, we're not going back." My, my wife was the same way. She was like, "Look, you know, I'm just praying, you know, for you because I know you're you're a man of your word. And so if you told them this is what you're gonna do, you're gonna do what you said you're gonna do." But I'm telling you now that I I know that we, we don't belong here anymore. And, <laughs> and I said, well, you know, like I said, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I taught my kids this way. <laughs> my son just went through something and he did the exact same thing. He said, look, I gave these people my word, so I'm going to stick it out, you know, to the end because I gave them my word. And that's what I did. I was like, hey, even though that final Sunday, he didn't even say nothing to me. He didn't even shake my hand, give me a hug, nothing. But wow. I felt like in my heart, yeah, the right thing. I had to do things the right thing, the right way. I, 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 I have to do that because your reaction, you know, that's not my reward. My reward is being able to lay down at night and know that I did what I was supposed to do unto the Lord, you know. And I believe that, you know, part of that is why, you know, our ministry, we're not a huge ministry, but we're getting ready to celebrate, celebrate 15 years, you know, Man. of doing ministry as a and I really believe it's because sometimes it's been hard, but I'm like, look, I gotta do I gotta do the right thing here, you know, and because God, it's in your hands. Ultimately, it's in your hands. And so I want to please you. Uh, that that was a tough situation. There was a lot of hurt from that, you know, and that hurt actually helped me because it made me a better pastor, you know, mm. because that's why I'm the way I am. That's why I'm I'm an, I'm an open door, open door policy. Any any of the members can come and talk to me at any time about anything and they're not going to get shut down. We're going to have a conversation. Now I'm going to I'm going to tell you right and wrong, you know. I don't have a problem doing that, but you can come and, and nobody's going to say, "Oh, well, he cussed me out when I went in there." You know, nobody's yeah. going to say that. nobody's going to say that. They're going to say, "Well, you know, he spoke the truth. He was he was loving, but he told me the truth." You know, what have you because at the end of the day, you know, people are going to leave churches for a variety of reasons. Some of them are good reasons. Some of them are bad reasons. Some of them are no reason at all. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're just, ah, I just don't want to be here no more. And they just leave. And as a pastor, when, you know, being a pastor, I have a unique perspective of seeing that from the other side, you know, of being the person who a person is, has left the church and asking them or wondering why and sometimes them not really being sure why you know yeah. they just wanted to leave other times it was a misconception of something I'm like man I, if, if i made you feel that way i definitely apologize you know i didn't know that that's what you thought you know and so that's why i say before you leave a church go and talk to your pastor have that conversation it may be a difficult one but have that conversation so that you know that you're leaving for the right reasons and that individual knows why you're leaving. So if they need to repent and go before the Lord, they can do that so that their heart is checked. 
or if it's something mutual, then it's 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 on good terms so that when you see them somewhere else or if you're doing ministry somewhere else and you come into contact with them, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. There's no love lost. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, the decision to leave a church need to be grounded in a desire to follow God's will and to serve his kingdom. Uh, like like it says in First Corinthians, uh, whatever we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it all to the glory of God. And that's ultimately should, that should be the thing that move, moves us. All right, so I think that was a pretty, fairly decent discussion. And, you know, again, y'all, if y'all have any other any other thoughts, let us know in the comments. But we're going to switch over to our digital pews, which which is kind of still in line of the church thing. So I got three videos that I want to react to with Anthony. Um, the first one is uh, it's not so good. It's not it's, 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 it's things that are going on wrong and probably a reason to leave this church or whatever. Uh, but then there's a clip of uh, this pastor who did this experiment with his church that I want to react to. And then the final clip that we're going to react to is uh, one that I've, I've had for a while. Um, this person in this clip, uh, I definitely disagree with his teachings and stuff, and um, and he kind of makes me angry with some of the stuff he teaches and stuff. <laughs> and so, but one of uh, one of my coworkers asked me, he he came across the clip and he he's like, man, I would love to see y'all talk about this. And so uh, that's gonna be the final one because it may take us. I, I had a lot. I got a lot to say about it, and I'm sure Anthony will. I'm sure Anthony will too, uh, as a preacher. But uh, and so Anthony, I don't think you don't have no context or clue what this video is. Cause I didn't show it to you, so I apologize in advance for that. Okay. But we're gonna get Anthony's rough, raw <laughs> opinions on it live on the show, and I want to hear y'all opinions too. So we got three clips. If y'all still rocking with us, you know. Uh, just give me a thumb up in the comments if you're still rocking with us, you're still paying attention, and then um, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and do our digital pews Christian news. Uh, the first one, uh, let me give you a little context before I hit the little stinger. The first one, I don't think they're at church, but the lady who introduces the other lady said this is a sister in Christ, and I want y'all to pay close attention to. Uh, I want y'all to pay close attention to how they. Thanks, April. We appreciate you. Um, pay close attention. I believe it's April, my neighbor. April, is, 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 you're my yes. neighbor, right? Just let yes. me know. Yeah, I know we got two <laughs> Aprils on there. Your love say so you're still here. I, I'm all, I'm almost certain looking at the thumbnail that that's April, my neighbor. But I could be wrong. <laughs> but uh, if it is, I sure do appreciate you. And if you are, I want to invite you to church with us on Easter. You know, Pastor was like, hey, you got to invite people to church. And uh, when he said it, that, you, you're who I thought about. <laughs> if this, in fact, April, my neighbor. Uh, yes, I'm your neighbor. She I thought so. <laughs> so, yes, the invitation live on the show for church on Easter. We would love how you go with us. We could all carpool together. All right, cool. Um, and so if my pastor watching, you see, Pastor, I did what you told me to do. True. Hey, what's going on, Nate? Thank you for checking in, brother. I didn't realize you was on. You're kind of quiet, man. I got to hear your thoughts. All right, look, we about to get into it, y'all. I definitely want to hear y'all thoughts on these on these videos because uh, this first one is a hot mess, man. It, it really is. We'll be there. Sweet, sweet. All right, here we go. This is Fuse Christian. To bring to you my sister in Christ, Sister Anthony i 
Man, this is crazy. So, I want I want to kind of recap of what happened. One, the lady was like, "I want to introduce y'all, my sister in Christ." Like, I don't know what event they're at and what they're doing because it don't really look like it's a church. But uh, I want to introduce my sister in Christ. So the DJ puts on gospel music, and that one lady in the back was kind of vibing to it. But then she's like, "Hey, hey, don't play me like that, DJ." She turned on the secular music and then listened to how. Everybody just go crazy yelling, yelling and worshiping. Like this to me, man. In the Bible, it talks about how pride often is associated with uh, disobedience and rebellion against God. And in Proverbs, it said, "Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall." Right. And so this warns us about being prideful. The Bible also teaches that we should not think highly of ourselves, but rather humble ourselves. This lady is thinking extra highly of herself, and then not only that, they introduce her as a sister in Christ, and then. But when they play the worldly music, people yelling, screaming, worshiping, right? Nate said this world, this world, bro, is so scary. And that's that's facts. Like it was it, it's funny to me how they didn't get nowhere near the response they did when when she played the gospel music. And then she's talking about it's giving me low vibration, not to mention, you know, her being a sister in Christ and the way she's dressed, right? Um, but I, I saw this clip and I'm like, man, this is crazy, man, that if she consider herself a Christian, she would get offended by him playing gospel music. And then they put on this worldly prideful, you know, I'm a bad chick type of music. Right. And then the audience who I'm assuming are also so-called believers, they're yelling and praising with the worldly music. Anthony, what, what's your thoughts, brother? I'm speechless. I, yeah. this is. This is uh wow. This <laughs> this is debauchery at its highest. I mean, I, you know, I I haven't been saved my whole life, and so I know what a club looks like, and they got a club with a a podium sitting in the middle. <laughs> this is this can't be a church. Yeah, it, it can't it can't be a church. That looks like a club. They're dressed like they're at the club. They're talking like they're at the club. They're, you know, and got a DJ like they're at the club. Got a yeah, DJ like they're at the club. This is not. It must be just called a church because here in Colorado we have a club called the church. Mm. You know, there's literally a, ch a club called the church. Um, so I don't. Man, this is. Well, well, I didn't think I never thought they were at a church, but it was just interesting the way she introduced her, you know. So to I me, think I'm thinking they probably had some kind of like charity event, or like like my mom does this thing restoring broken women, so they do stuff for 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 their for the for the women or whatever, right? And so it's like you know they may have different speakers come on, so they're probably doing something similar to that. Maybe her birthday or something. I don't know. I'm seeing balloons and flowers, but she yeah, introduced her as my before. sister in Christ. And then, the, and, then, and then the DJ plays the spiritual music, right? But then, yeah, April, again, worried about the platform instead of the purpose. Man, that's spot on. That's, that's spot on because, like, she got upset that he played gospel music for her. Right. Like, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And then the audience goes freaking crazy when they hear 
which the tells me music. that it can't be a church. It can't be a church. I don't. Yeah. I just, that can't be a church. But, but yeah, it had to be. What does leaving a church? What does leaving the church leaving the church in a good sense look like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's an actual question. Are you being um, like you're um, being rhetorical because of this? But I think if that's actually a question, Anthony gave a good one. Like when his kids graduated, and they and you know they had to move, or you just got to simply move to another city. Now in this case, it makes a lot of sense to leave whatever's going on here. You know, if this was supposed to be. If this was supposed to be some type of Christian event, I would be extra uncomfortable with the way uh, the gospel music got kicked off, the worldly music got kicked on, and everybody just basically worshipped her, worshipped the song. I would walk out of this. Yeah. I'd walk out. Yeah. Let me see. It says, uh, just like that man were robbed on his service set up. But that's why we got to keep our heads in the Bible. This world is so scary and enemy attack the mental and we all have it mm. yeah yeah i mean yeah definitely got man that just covered anthony right up when i put that comment up but yeah no we definitely got to keep our head in the bible i mean but this man you don't even got to be in the bible to know nah, that that wasn't nah. godly like that was just completely opposite all right wow. so yeah that's the way of doing church wrong ladies and gentlemen let's look at uh let's react to this way of doing church proper or, or let's get let's let me get your thoughts on this experiment this pastor did a pastor dressed himself up like a homeless man and sat down in Yeah, yeah. The first time I saw it, that was kind of inspiring to me, right? You know, it's it's heartwarming to see church members um, who treated the pastor uh, who was dressed as a homeless person um, with love and kindness, just as Jesus taught us to do. You know, so like in Matthew twenty five, Jesus said, "Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me." And so the members of this church saw that man in need, saw a homeless man, and instead of ignoring him and turning away, they served him. Right, they offer him an opportunity to come in and hear about Jesus. Um, in First John uh, three uh, verse seventeen, we are reminded that we must not only love with words but also in action. And I think this church demonstrated love in action. Right, um, the average person would just see the homeless person and. That, may, that person may be an inconvenience in them trying to get to church. Or they may try to go another way so they don't have to interact with them, you know, kind of like the uh, Samaritan story. But these, the pastor did that experiment, and a lot of the members kind of came out, offered food, offered him to come in. And so this is the kind of church. Obviously, this pastor is, is teaching these people the, how, to, uh, how we as Christians should be behaving. What, what's your thoughts, Anthony? Yeah, the, every, every time I've seen this video, um, you know, it, it, it brings my emotions, you know, because I really believe that that is what the church should do, you know, should be like. I know our church on, on multiple occasions, you know, I have people that I know would have did the exact same thing. They would have 
you know, picked that man up and brought him inside and sat him down. And, you know, we would have, you know, found a way to make sure he got a room for the night or, you know, put some food. And I mean, there's times where this is happening. So every time I see it, you know, I, I see the, you know, um, the confirmation of God's heart, like you said, what you've done to the least of these, Jesus said, you do unto me. Um, and so uh, there is no, the, the, there's no, there should be no hesitation to help someone and not just a handout, but a, a hand up, you know, how can I help you? Where can I get you? Where can we go? You know, sometimes you get burned. Sometimes, sometimes people really don't want help, you know, but mm -hmm. most of the time when you actually reach out and the person wants help, man, they're appreciative. You're appreciative that you could help you. You are one of the, you know, your heart, goes out to them and not just to give them something, but the hope uh, that you can give them eternal life, you know, teach our congregation. Yeah, we can, we can give them what the body needs. Yes, we do that, but also don't forget to give them what the soul needs eternal life. And so, yeah, G Barry is one of my guys. He knows we've, we've been out and we've man prayed with people in the middle of an Island with traffic driving by we out there in the middle of traffic, praying for people and, 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 and trying to help people that that picture, that video is definitely, you know, uh, my heart uh, and my desire. Uh, man, if God ever blesses us with millions, you know, we're going to try to stamp out homelessness and hunger uh, to the best of our ability. So, uh, man. man, let me tell you what's on my heart, man. If I ever got wealthy enough, I want to. Um... I want to get me like a maybe an apartment building or like a maybe a yes. mansion, if you will, oh, and bring in. Um, I, I probably bring in homeless, but mainly kids who are in, uh, like, uh, waiting for adoption or foster kids. Because uh, my wife, she um, before we met, she um, worked at this uh, home, and I think the home was a. Uh, I think the home was uh, ran by a church, if I'm not mistaken, but. She was just talking about how, like, these kids' parents, they were on drugs and couldn't get off or they were locked up and the kids want to go home. They got licensed, like, new infant babies having lice and, you know, just a number of different things happening. And they were saying how to—I uh, don't think they ran by churches, but a lot of churches were donating to them. And they were saying how some of the employees were stealing some of the stuff that belonged to the kids, taking the food home to their own people, treating the kids a certain way. And, like, that to me, man, that's what my heart is at, like, for, for kids— who are put in a bad situation because of poor uh, adult decisions. And um, I would love to provide a, a, a place for them to be like, hey, listen, whether you get adopted or not, your family here, we're going to make sure you, you know, got good food, good clothes, you know, get you in school, uh, set you up for, for life afterwards and just be able to take care of you. That would be that would be just awesome for me if I was able to ever do that, man. Yeah. I can never See, understand how people could be so rich and not have – a spot for homeless people. Yeah, I'm, I'm like you, you know, yes, definitely I would do something for the homeless, but um, my heart, you know, goes out to those those teenage teenagers slash young adults that are transitioning in life that maybe their parents kicked them out or, or, or they messed up and, you know, maybe they're just coming out of juvie and they're trying to get back into the world to give them a place to uh, transition, help them get in the school if they're trying to get in the school get jobs get ids get you know birth certificates get their life yeah. together and get them on their feet because that age between you know 17 and 21 
we lose a lot of our young people right there in that gap because they're coming out of school. They don't know what to do. And then they fall into, you know, with the wrong crowd or they, they fall into drugs or even mental illness. Sometimes, you know, especially African-American men between that 18 and 24 range uh, have onsets of, of bipolarism and all kinds of things hit them in that age bracket. And so having something to help them transition from that stage of teenager into young adult and then to adulthood um, has always been on my heart. You know, it's, it's really helping them get through, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, G Bear said, I was struggling to ask the question, but I answered it. <laughs> Never mind. Um, Storm Brooklyn <laughs> said, that that was such a blessing. That's how we should be as children of God, a blessing to others. Yeah, and I agree. We definitely should be that way. Um, I tell you, man, um, God has been putting on my heart that I need to be, I need to just be doing a little bit more, more giving to people that need than, than I have been. Um, and so that's something um, I need to be obedient in. But yeah, man, um, but yeah, like my heart goes out to those kids, man. I think the one of the most critical age limits for kids is that eighth grade to ninth grade year. Because, and the reason why is because like, so much depends on how you perform in high school, what happens to your life afterwards. So, like, once you get to ninth grade, if you get to ninth grade, you start messing up, failing. It gets so hard to catch up and recover from that. And so, like, middle school, right, they kind of, like, hold your hand through it. If you go to a good high school, they're teaching you to become an adult. So, if you don't do your stuff, you fail. If you don't have to, like, nobody's, like, hand-holding you through, right? And so, that ninth grade year, if you can stress the importance of, listen, I know you've been in school for what seemed like eternity, but these four years are going to go by fast. And what you do this ninth grade year going to affect 10th grade, going to affect 11, going to affect 12. And if you mess around and have a come out of 12th grade with a poor GPA, it's going to affect you getting in colleges. It's going to affect the kind of jobs you have. Like So I tell my kids all the time, not to throw shade at anybody who's working at like a McDonald's or anything like that or doing hard manual labor, but I tell my kids, I'm like, listen, if you don't handle your business in high school, nobody's going to want to hire you because they're going to think that you can't handle your business. You've shown a track record that you can't be trustworthy, right? And so now you're going to be forced to do these type of jobs that most people don't really want to do or, or where you're going to be working your butt off and barely making any money. Right, like my stepdad right now got a gravy job where he's making a lot of money. He doesn't have to hurt himself, and hurt, you know it's not really physically demanding. But like when you don't handle your business in that ninth and tenth grade year, you're setting yourself up to end up at one of these very low paying jobs, and you're setting yourself up to uh, end up being in a homeless situation or having to depend on somebody to take care of you for the rest of your life. And if you just handle your business those ninth through twelfth grade years right you just handle your business those years that will set you up to be able to get into a college or even get into a trade school or get into you know having your own business or whatever the case may be whatever you decide to do after that but people when they're gonna uh invest in you they're gonna want to know that you're a hard worker that you're gonna do what you're supposed to do and what you do in ninth and 12th grade man it just affects so much uh you know the rest of your life man so i i i, I really wish we can just reach that age group and show them the importance of handling your business, handling your responsibilities, having that track record of that, that you can be, re- that you're reliable, you know? So that's, that's kind of where, where my, where that, that's that age group that I have a passion for. Mm-hmm. All right. So now this last one, y'all, it's going to, it's about a minute and 40 some seconds, 
Heads mm-hmm. up, I'm going to be pausing throughout. Uh, I pre-watched it. I had my stuff. And the reason why is because, one, uh, my guy, so China, if you're on, if you're on, I'm doing this for you. Because originally I was like, I don't even want to, man, yeah, I don't even want to touch it because this guy just makes me so mad. And the reason why he made me so mad is because of some of his teachings. So so to kind of give y'all a preset, of uh, what I'm about to talk about, we're about to look at a video by a guy named uh, Dr. Umar Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. And so for those who don't know who Dr. Umar Johnson is, he is a controversial figure who is known for his views on race, education, and black empowerment. He believes that African Americans are systematically oppressed by white people and that the solution to the oppression is to create a separate uh, black-only society, right? So while Dr. Umar's... Uh, passion for the advancement of African of, of black people basically uh, the African American community is admirable his teachings are divisive and ultimately counterproductive right his promotion of segregation and the idea that white people are the enemy only serves to uh, advance racism and deep and deepen the, uh, the divisions between different communities and so as Christians we are called to love all people and work towards unity and understanding. But Dr. Johnson's teaching, on the other hand, encouraged uh, division and mistrust. So it's important to recognize that while there are still issues of racism and discrimination that needs to be addressed, segregation is not the answer. And this guy heavily pushes segregation, right? Instead, we need to focus on building bridges and understanding and working towards solutions that benefit everybody and pointing everybody to Christ. You know, but we also need to pray for Dr. Johnson, because like again, what he about to, he about to attack the the church uh, pretty heavy in this video. Um, so you know, don't be like me and get angry at him. You know, just pray for him, understand that he's lost or whatever. But the, I think my biggest frustrations with this guy is uh, let's go let's go sure foundation fifteen years. <laughs> Appreciate it. But uh, oh, oh, that's speaking of your uh, your church. Um, but, um, but yeah, my biggest thing is uh, I have mixed kids and some of the stuff he says is just straight up foul. So anyway, I just want to give y'all that pre heads up before we get into the video. Um, he's going to say some things I'm going to, um, I'm going to be pausing so we can talk about the stuff that he said. Um, and then we'll wrap the show up and call it a night. Let's check him out. Hope in a future after you die. And my position on that. Oh, hold on. Start back over. Chicken wings for that money, even though they was no good. But you do get something for your money. But when you put your money in the church bucket, what do you get back? Hope in a future after you die. In my position on that, if I have to die. All right, so let, let, let's stop there. He said, when you put your money in the church bucket, you get hope in the future when you get back. Now, uh, Anthony, yeah. I'm definitely going to want to hear your thoughts on this. But see, my biggest this is one of my biggest issues with how tithing is taught. I mean, you had plenty of conversations on this, right? People are often tithing or giving, expecting something back. Are they expecting, um, they're trying not to be cursed, right? Uh, he said, oh, yeah, I don't even listen to that dude shaking my head. Oh, no, he definitely, yeah, he's a trip, man. But uh, but um, they, they typically are putting money in, expecting something back, or out of fear of being cursed under Malachi 310, right? But we're called to be a cheerful giver, right? And to support the church we attend to, to give to the need like we saw in the other one. And we're just supposed to do it out of obedience to God. We like Our motive should not be getting something back first and foremost. Psalms 24.1 tells us that the earth is the Lord and everything in it. 
you know, so God, he gives us the talents that we have to go out and make money in the first place, right? So if God opened up a door for us to be able to earn a living, he also expects us to be good stewards and take care of what we have. So we should not, our motive of giving shouldn't be seeking earthly material things, right? But the Bible does teach that God will reward us in our obedience and, you know, we'll be blessed. Um, I'm not going to go through the scriptures, but 2 Corinthians 9 talks about this. Proverbs 22 talks about it. Luke 6 talks about it. But at the end of the day, getting something in return shouldn't be our uh, our motive. And the Bible doesn't teach that you get hopes and blessings or whatever it is he said when you put your money in the church bucket. Anthony, what's your thoughts, brother? Yeah, yeah. I think... I think he's reacting to what you were just talking about, the prosperity gospel, these false doctrines about give to get, you know, he's reacting to that, you know, that, oh, okay, well, if you give, then you have a hope in the future, you know, in, in heaven, when you die, you know, you're storing up treasures for heaven, you know, it's kind of, he's taking and twisting it uh, to yeah. make it seem like, okay, you're giving for no reason. Whereas, uh, if you gave to a charity for homes to be built for people who are in need, are you giving for no reason? If you give to whatever his cause is, yeah. <laughs> what do you get? What do you get back except for the knowledge that you helped him do something? And so it's almost hypocritical because what you're saying is that giving to your church is wrong, you know, but putting your money over here or putting your money over here is a better choice. <clears throat> you know, when you give to your church, and this is why, again, you got to know what your church is doing. You have a church of transparency. You got to be on board with the mission and vision of that church. You know, you, you want to be giving into something that you are supporting. And that's the gospel being preached, whether it's helping the homeless, feeding the hungry, you know, clothing those that were without clothes, Mm -hmm. uh, take sending missionaries out, you know, to other parts of the world, you know, helping the gospel being preached. That's not just a hope in the future for the next life. That's making an impact now and for eternity. And so yeah. your giving should be doing both, not just because I think he's reducing it. He's kind of boiling it down so that it seems like, oh, well, what are you doing? Why are yeah. you doing this? You're not yeah. getting anything out of it. Because his thought is that you should be getting bang for your buck, right? You should be getting something for what you give and all the church is offering you is heaven. Yeah. And what's funny is he loved to ask people for money, right? Uh, right. To build this this school that he that right. he that he's trying to right. build up, so he can spew more of his segregation talk, his his hate or whatever. But uh, but yeah, man, yeah, he's definitely I yeah he, he he's definitely pushing his agenda let's 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 go a little deeper all right hold on let's see uh said bro that man is corrupt it's all about a dollar he done got used to speaking and getting reactions only for the dollar but our bible is real and revelation show is speaking yeah yeah definitely um he is a very smart guy yeah i think he has a doctor degree he can articulate himself well he's very passionate but yeah he, you can he's definitely motivated off of money and i'm trying to i don't know who i heard say this but i heard one person say they have a big issue with people who want to do things and want to you know do good for people whatever but they but they do it off of making other people pay for it 
getting other people to find their, their things, or whatever. And so he 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 does a lot of that. Um, we'll get into some of that a little bit more as he, as we go through this. Let me keep rolling. To experience heaven, I don't need that religion. Mm. Anyone who tells me that I should be content with accepting hell on earth, when the white man has his heaven here, and the Chinese man has his heaven here, and the Arab and East Indian has his heaven here, and they're even building their heaven in my ghetto, and you're telling me I got to die in order to experience what they are getting right now? That's a religion I don't need. Mm. Alright, <laughs> so let's go there. Do people have heaven here on earth? He assumes that people with money is right. experiencing heaven here on earth. But this right. is not true, right? If this was true, why do so many rich people kill themselves? Why right. do uh, so many rich people got to take antidepressants? My man R. Kelly, great examples. Very wealthy. Do you think this man is experiencing heaven right now on earth? Matter of fact, in Matthew, uh, Jesus talks about how it's harder for a rich person to enter the, enter the kingdom. And so... Dr. Umar is stating that he don't want to wait until he died to experience heaven. But let's say for argument's sake, real quick, y'all, because uh, there may be, I know he don't, he's not a believer, but let's say for argument's sake that heaven is a real, heaven is real and hell is real. And we all know that we're going to die one day, right? That's a guarantee. So if heaven and hell is real as described in the Bible, then I think it's more important on how you spend eternity than how you spend this temporary life. Right. And God never said that you got to wait till you get to heaven to experience his blessings. He just warns us that the love of money is the root of evil. And so if we seek him first, then things will be added to us. He also teaches good stewardship. Right. So in the parable of the talents, you know, they were speaking about money and the person who had good stewardship more was given to him. The person who didn't have good stewardship, it was taken away from him, right? And so this is how, whether you believe in God or not, this is how it, how life plays out. If you handle your business in school, like we were just talking about, uh, uh, if you don't handle your business in school, then you most likely gonna not have a decent job. If you blow all your money on material things, if uh, if you if you're not smart with your money, guess what? You end up going broke. But the person who's smart with their money, make investments, they handle their business, they do what they're supposed to do, they typically get wealthier and do better in life. You know, obviously, I'm not speaking of absolutes, but the reality of it is, is that you don't have to experience hell if you're following Christ. Now, however, God do say we will have trials and tribulations here on earth, right? But, but also, he came for us to have a life and have it more abundantly. So he's just blaming poor decisions on God and saying that, you know, you got to have hell he on earth and he don't want a religion where he got to wait while the white man and the Asian man and all these other men experience heaven. But obviously his view of heaven is enjoying money. You know, that's my, that's how I took it. What, what you think, Evan? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, man. I think, you know, if he's going to preach the gospel of this world being heaven and there being the ability to have heaven here, um, then his idea of, of heaven must be suffering and prospering at the expense of others that hmm. his idea of heaven must be the come up regardless of who gets hurt and who doesn't that it's all about money and possessions and things that will be dissolved you know the bible is clear that why store up treasures here on earth where the moths can eat it where thieves can break in and steal it and yeah. it's going to vanish away why are we doing that you know, the Bible doesn't say any, it doesn't say you can't be wealthy. He just says, don't put your trust, you know, in riches, you know, but be, but be generous, 
you know, that way you're storing up treasures in heaven. You know, there are plenty of people who are very wealthy who are devout followers of Christ and they use that wealth to build the kingdom, to do the right thing towards God. And so I think, you know, in the end, his idea of the, the our religion being boiled down to waiting until heaven, right? And everybody else gets to have their heaven now is is basically trickery. It's deception in what he's saying. He's really twisting words to, to lead people astray because that's not what our Bible teaches and that's not, not what we teach. And so this idea that, oh, you got to wait till heaven. I don't need a religion like that. Well, I don't either. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's go. I'll rewind it back a little bit so we can catch the context of the next thing he say. What they are getting right now, that's a religion I don't need because that's a religion for servitude. And so we have to put the black church to task. And I, right, I got to stop already. He said that's a religion <laughs> for servitude. Right. So when he said this, like a lot of times we'll hear a word and we just kind of we just kind of think we know what it means. But I'm going to uh, break down the definition of servitude for, for our viewers. The definition of servitude is the state of being a slave or completely subject to someone more powerful. Now, he says this like that's a bad thing. Now, right. don't get me wrong. Hear me what I say now. Slavery in America was and is a bad thing. Someone Always. kidnapping you, raping you, killing your family, selling them like cattle, forcing them to do free labor, all that kind of stuff, that's pure evil. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, and guys, I'm not saying do this today, but in Exodus, it states kidnappers must be put to death, whether they're caught in possession of their victims or they have already sold them as slaves. So every, um, every slave owner, every person who involved with uh, kidnapping, uh, Every per yo, are we in the club? I'm not sure if uh, I, that might be a comment from the uh, from that last right. from that he last. Might be he, yeah, he, he might, might be behind. behind. I think he might be behind G Barry. <laughs> but uh, but um, but either but but at the end of the day, right? If when what we did in the what we did in America when they kidnapped people, the Bible would that would have been grounds for them to be put to death in under Old Testament law, right? So um. Trust me when I say that is wrong. However, if I'm completely subject to God, the creator of all things, including myself, the one who loves me and know all things and have my best interests at heart, then that's a good thing. It's a good thing for me to be completely under God's subject, to be a servant to God, right? Just like a, a newborn baby is completely subject to their parents for survival. That's a good thing. That's a needed thing. And just like I need my creator in the same exact way. So for him to say it's a religion of servitude, then I'm going to tell you what. If God actually exists, the creator of all things, then I have no problem in living the definition of servitude, being a slave or completely subject to God who is more powerful than me. What's your thoughts on Christianity being a religion of servitude? Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. That yes, Christianity is a, a religion of servitude unto God, not unto yeah. man. We don't serve man, we serve God. And so what we, what we live for is the glory of God. And in that, yes, we have an eternal hope, but the Bible says that uh, godliness um, has a profit of this life and the life to come. And so when we exercise godliness, God takes care of us here 
any promises that we will be taken care of for all eternity. And so everybody's serving somebody. He's saying that Christianity is a religion of servitude, but he serves the almighty dollar. That's his master. That's why the Bible says you can't serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other. And we hear him hating Christ and loving man. Right. And so he can't serve both. So he's going to have to choose one. And he's chosen to follow mammon. And so if that's going to be his God, if he's going to serve his own desires, if he's going to serve money, if he's going to serve prosperity in this world, then you're living a life of servitude as well. But you're serving the losing side because Christ has already won the victory. Amen. Amen. We got about 50 some seconds left, y'all. We're going to get through it put the black church to task and ask them what are you doing without jesus money all right the black church this man like i re- i hate it so much when i hear this man i like it just this is another thing that just makes me so mad because and there's a lot of christians who go to predominantly black churches would identify as the black church. There is no such thing. There's only one church. And if your church identifies as the black church, the white church, the Mexican church, the Asian church, then it may be time for you. That may be another reason to lead that church, right? It, because at the end of the day, uh, Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male or female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. There is, there's one church, Romans 12, verses 4 through 5, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every member one of another. Another one, John 17, and there, and for their sake I sanctify myself, that also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one as thou father art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us Christ's will is for us to be one there is no such thing as the black church and when people say that I wonder what in the world do you think heaven's gonna look like they go back to what you were saying actually about the Hebrew Israelites they, they preach a gospel that doesn't offer salvation to everybody. And that's counter to what Jesus taught. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when I hear people say the black church, you know, I reinterpret it as churches in black neighborhoods. Uh, because like you said, there's no black church, there's no white church, you know. But if he's talking about the churches in the black neighborhoods, then we can have a conversation about, you know, what's going on, how churches are giving back. You know, because that has been a knock on churches that they always have their hand out. They're always trying to, you know, get something and they're not giving anything. Anytime we've gone out to the community, I remember one time we took over a gas station and we're blessing people with gas. We're pumping and praying, pumping and praying, you know, and people are asking, why are you guys doing this? What is happening here? What is that? And, you know, our simple answer is that we're loving our neighbor as ourselves. All of us have experienced times where we were digging for change in the ashtray, trying to put some gas in our car, you know, and to be able to come out here and help people. And some of the stories that we heard, you know, were amazing. And it was because we were out giving back. And so what he's doing is that he's 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 highlighting, you know, where there are some failures in the churches 
that are in black communities, not the black church, but churches in black communities, you know, that are taking in money and they're not doing anything for the community that's around them. And that's one area where, like you said, I don't listen to this guy pretty much at all, you know, but anybody who brings that particular point up, I, I step up, I say, Hey, so how, how are we taking care of our community? How are we giving back? Or are we just asking for, or we just have our hands out, you know? And so I, I, I that, that's, you know, that's where I make the distinction, you know, cause like you said, there, there's no black church, there's no white church, there's the church, that's it. But yeah. these churches, black communities, that's what he's preying on. And, and his, his language is very strategic. He's very mm-hmm. strategic, like you said, very intelligent, you know, in, in how he's delivering this because you're speaking to people who already feel like they've been taken advantage already yep. feel like they've been uh, tr- mistreated and that they're less than and now you know the black the black church <laughs> mm-hmm. is taking our money our Jesus money and what are we doing with it and so it's basically an emotional argument and it's strategically uh, to target people who are disenfranchised already to get their money get their that's money. what's up don't so, give so get him out of him instead of the church. Yep. Here we go. Let's keep it. Without Jesus money. Let me tell you what they're doing with your Jesus money. Every black church in America has their money in a white bank. It is the white banks that are funding the regentrification ethnic cleansing movement. Okay. Is this true? Is this true that every black church has their money in a white bank? And so a simple Google search would show that this guy, like you said, Anthony, is trying to do use emotional tactics to get you to give his money to him. Because let me see if I can pull it up real quick. So I was able to just, you know, pull this up. Um, this is the Oak Cliff Christian Federal Credit Union. So not only is it a bank, it is a bank that was created by uh, Christians, right? Now, I don't know when he recorded this, but this bank was op- opened up in um, two, 2008. Um and um, I'm trying to think, uh, what's the guy's name uh, who uh, started the church? Dr. Tony Evans. So do- yeah. this guy here, he's pretty well-known preacher or whatever. But black church, black bank. So he's he's wrong in that. Uh, let me pull this one up. I pulled up another one. One United Bank and Jubilee Christian Church. They paired together to uh, help people in, in black communities open up uh, banking accounts. So, so again... He don't know what he's talking about. He, like he he's he's spitting this out, saying every church got their money in a white bank. When there's there there one United is one of the uh, largest black-owned banks, and here they are partnering with the church. So not every church is doing wh- what he claimed they're doing. And a simple Google search, a, a, a simple Google uh, search will show that. Um, and then I was able to find this thing. If people just want to bank black, there, apparently there's a map of all the. Uh, of all the places where there's black-owned churches. So say you're out in one of these other areas, like, say, California or whatever, Nevada or whatever, and there's only one bank. What are you supposed to do? But the bottom but the, but the, the bottom line is is that he's generalizing all these people, and he don't have a clue what he's talking about. You know, not every church is doing the same thing. What, what's your thoughts on that, Anthony? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I think it's, it's those sweeping statements that a lot of false teachers make, right? They're like, oh, the Bible never, ever says this, right? And it's like, okay, 
never ever nowhere in the bible you know that those statements are compelling because it makes you feel like it's such an absolute you know anytime you're dealing with somebody who's false they will tell you you know statements like that and so you 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 want to be careful even yourself i don't i don't want to just come out and say you know the bible doesn't teach that anywhere you better be a hundred percent yeah certain when you say something like that you know um and so when somebody uses that terminology you already know what you up to what are you trying to convince me of you know and, and like you said an, a, a statement so broad and so sweeping and so absolute can't be true yeah. you know and like and like you said, you pulled up a map with all of these black banks all across the country, and you're saying every black church in America has their money in a white bank with all yeah. of these black banks. No, you want the money in your black in bank. Your bank, yeah, yeah. That's that's, yeah, that's what, that what it is. That's what's really happening there. <laughs> yeah. Ku, what's going on? Thanks for checking in. All right, yeah, let's get back to it. So all of us go to church. We put $3 million in the church coffers every Sunday. $3 million goes to a white bank every Sunday. And guess what they do on Monday? They take $3 million of black people's white Jesus money. White Jesus money. <laughs> white Jesus white money. Jesus money. Like, I, man, these are like the trigger words that just be making me so, <laughs> so mad. Even if Jesus, look, Christianity is a religion that is for all people regardless of your skin color right and while it's true that jesus was born and raised in the middle east his message of love forgiveness salvation is meant for all people no matter where they come from no matter what they look like you know what i'm saying and it's important to realize that christianity and judaism are not white religions they both originated in the middle east right. and they've been practiced by people of all skin colors and in the bible itself has it's a multi-cultural uh, text it got stories and teachings from various cultures and various nations right so you look at the old testament you got the israelites you got uh stuff from the babylonians the uh persuade uh the persians uh the egyptians uh in the new testament jesus tells his disciples of god to share across the world you got greeks you got romans you got all kind of different people right and then we um it's worth noting, right, that the uh, Ethiopian Orthodox Church is one of the oldest Christian churches in the world. And it has a long and rich history uh, um, um, dating back to uh, of, of having um, African-Americans, because in, in, it's in Ethiopia, or having black people, if you will. Um, the Jews themselves, they come from a very diverse background. You got Jews from Spain. You got Jews from uh, Central and Eastern Europe. You got Jews from the Middle Eastern. You got Jews from North Africa. You know, so um, rather trying to um, whitewash or erase the diversity in the Bible, it's important to just celebrate it, right? The message of Jesus is a message of hope and redemption for all people, regardless of their background, regardless of their skin color. And for him to try to say, your white Jesus money, there he go again trying to pluck on the strings of people who right. um, uh, who, who's been you know who've been dealt bad, who, who had a bad hand, who've been treated bad, and man, like that, those are like trigger words to me when I hear people try to use your skin color and then talk negative about Christ. And he was Jesus wasn't even white, or he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't European. Let me say it that way. It says flesh is diverse, but the spirit is one. 
Amen. 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 All right, let's keep it going. They give loans to white land developers and businesses and entrepreneurs to come into the ghetto where the church is located, buy up all the property, and force grandma out on the street homeless. Now, grandma been going to that church for 30 years. Grandma been giving that church $50 every Sunday. And lo and behold, grandma had to finally face the reality that it was your Jesus money that put you on the street. Mm. It was Jesus money that put you on the street. Right, right. Man, so look. Those two things have nothing to do with each other. Even yeah. if what he's saying is true on one side, her giving to the church is not why she's out on the street. Those are two separate issues, but he melded them together because in the context of his overall message. So if you're listening to this and you're buying what he's selling, that right there, yeah. Amen, yeah. man. Yo, yeah. man, this is man. Yeah, this is dope. that. It's that that poison that pouring. He's pouring honey in people's ears <laughs> and poison right at the same time, getting them further and further from Christ. At the same time, remember that video we saw where the guy was like, he said he experienced hell. Uh, yeah. He experienced Judgment Day, and he saw that one lady. He's like, "I'm not holding you accountable for what you said on Facebook. I'm holding you accountable for all the people who are lost." Can you imagine all the black people who are hearing this, getting hyped up, motivated, and now they don't want to step foot in the church, whether it's a black church, white church, whatever, because right. this guy is able to uh, articulate himself so well and convince and convince people this. Listen. It's important to acknowledge that uh, systematic racism has existed in the banking industry and in the housing market. That is true, right? Uh, leading to uh, discriminatory practices that may have impacted people of color. However, it's not an accurate statement to say that banks are solely responsible for buying up all the land in poor black communities and forcing uh, black people out. In fact, banks offer a wide range of services beyond simply buying land and selling land. For example, banks provide loans and financial services to individuals and businesses, including people of color. Um, many banks have specific programs and initiatives designed to uh, assist underrepresented people. Um, um, I'm, uh, let me see what else. I mean, the, the bottom line, like you said, oh man, Dr. Humar. The, but the, but the bottom line is to try to lump all that up in. We got Fair Housing Act. We have diff, we got the Equal Credit Opportunity Act. We got all the different things to try to help people who, in the past, have been discriminated against. And while there's still a lot of work to be done, um, what he's doing is putting all that on the bank and then tying that to you giving your money, saying that's the reason you getting put out of your house. It's just right. false and just wrong. It, yeah, it, it, it's just wrong, man. And so, so anyway, that's the end. Of, that's the end of that. Um, China, hopefully you on. Hopefully you saw it again. If you watch that video just straight through, it may sound good. It may be like, oh yeah, you know what? I'm giving my money to these people, and they driving nice cars and you know expensive shoes, and 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 they putting their money in a white bank, and now we getting gentrified and kicked out. You know, but when you actually break it down and hear what he's saying, you break it into segments, you can see that this man is just speaking straight crap. Like just straight crap, and um, he got a lot of other videos talking about how like any black man who dates outside his race is uh the white woman is his prize or something to that extent. It's his prize, and he should be ashamed of himself, and he has no respect for them and all that. And um, 
And he just he simply doesn't know what he's talking about. And he want to open up a school for boys, and he want people to pay for it so he can teach them to think the way he thinks. And I would never support that, not in a million years. Man, wow. Whew. Yeah, this is a lot, man. You got any <laughs> final words, man, before we wrap the show up? Um, Man, as relates to our subject matter tonight, you know, just to, you know, kind of recap some of the things that we said, you know, false gospel, false doctrine, you know, leadership that is um, unaccountable, um, spiritually abusive. If you enjoyed this video, like, subscribe, and share this content with others. Thanks for watching. God bless.